0: Hello, and welcome to The Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of Holy Family in St. Lawrence in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Roda, and I will be your host. And with me is Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father?
1: Real good. Well,
0: pretty good, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty good. On a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing?
1: Uh, 7, I mean, yeah. Okay, I mean, I mean, usually, I'm usually pretty optimistic. So yeah, it's yeah, seven. All right, That's a, 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 a nice, a nice prime number. Yeah, yeah, prime number. I love prime <laughs> numbers. Yeah. Do you like prime numbers, Dan? You know, I've never thought too much about it. Okay, I've always been kind of a prime number guy. I like eleven. I like 7, 41. You know, these are good things. Yeah, I,
0: I guess I've always,
1: I've always liked
0: seven and eleven. Okay. Um, probably those were some sports numbers back yeah. in the day.
1: I'm going to be turning oh. thirty-seven in November, so. Prime number year,
0: what? Okay, this is completely off topic for us yeah. talking about faith. But what I I honestly
1: kind of forgot what prime numbers are. Can you re- uh, yeah. refresh me quick? So prime numbers are numbers where, you know, like to get to ten, if you're doing multiplication, you could do two times five, or one times ten. Prime numbers are the only the only thing about them is you can only like one times itself to get it. There's no like multiples or whatever that okay. you can find another way to to create that number like it doesn't break down evenly into any other numbers like there's no it's not okay. divisible by three four five six seven blah blah blah. so interesting yeah hmm. things you th- things you learn when you've been out of school for a while yeah yeah <laughs> part of those one little nit- nuggets that you hold on you don't remember anything else but prime numbers it's <laughs> <that's> my thing <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: well Would you like to open us in a prayer?
1: Sure, sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, on this day, we celebrate our mother's birthday, Mary, our Queen of Heaven, and so we give thanks for her, for her yes to you. Um, What a special uh, life she lived, and we're grateful for it, and uh, we ask her to bless us and intercede on our behalf, um, on behalf of the church, on behalf of our diocese. Um, so today we ask her prayers. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Father. Uh, and yet it is uh, the birthday of Mary, yeah. which is uh, pretty cool, pretty yeah. exciting for, uh, for our church. Um, I have a question for you, Father. What is your favorite fact about Mary my favorite fact
1: hmm there's so many good ones uh i guess i've always been inspired by just her simple yes to god you know we see that in the scriptures again and again i always think of like as bad as my life is or as bad as my life may seem in a moment um or i look at other people's lives and it's like it's very often we might be say, "Oh, this is so hard. I can't say yes to God in this, or I can't do what God is asking me. It's just too hard." I look at Mary and Joseph. I'm like, "They did it. I I can do it." I mean, gosh, the the things that she was faced with, um, and and said yes in the face of them. Like, okay, I can, sure. I mean, oh, I'm I'm so her her docility to. To God's providence, I guess maybe is a way to say this. Um, there's so many aspects of it, but um, that is something that has always been an inspiration to me. Uh, something that gives me hope. Something that I can cling to in moments when I'm struggling. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Just like she could have said no.
1: Yeah, and so often. I mean, yeah. There's okay. The Immaculate Conception. Uh, she didn't have anything to say about that. That's an awesome thing about her. But then, throughout the course of her life. You know, starting with, maybe there's probably other things before the Annunciation, but we're not so aware of those things, but the Annunciation, yes. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Okay, God, I'll I'll be pregnant without being married, and okay, yeah, in a culture where they might stone you if this happens. Okay, I mean, that's tough. And then going to Bethlehem when we're nine months pregnant. Okay, going to Egypt right after we have a little child. Okay, going back to, you know, back to Nazareth. You know, all these things you kind of look at and it's like, gosh like some pretty big trust moments and uh mm-hmm. and she always said yes, so yeah yeah she's she's crazy, yeah, but she's our mother, so yeah, I love that crazy mother <laughs> <laughs> um well, yeah, so I guess
0: starting off the the episode today, um with probably not the not the best news, yeah. Uh, we kind of, you know, kind of, uh, were some bad news was given to us this weekend and I'm sure, you know, it's still kind of getting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but our, I guess now a former Bishop elect, uh, has resigned. And so he, uh, is no longer, uh, going to be our Bishop. Um, and there was, uh, some allegations against him, um, that, uh, that that they're kind of in like in the process of, uh, looking into. Uh, so there's no, kind of, black black and white, uh, that we really know of right now. Um, but uh, but he has resigned from the post, and so, um, so that means that basically they're going to start the entire process over again.
1: It, mo- it may mo- or may not. More it, or less, it, I guess. It's it's hard to know exactly how it's all going to play out because. Uh, we don't know, like, usually when they, I mean, maybe you should back up, we really don't know. I mean, they could, they certainly could, and that's typically the, the process when you're going through a bishop is they go through the whole process, but they may have that short list that they had and say, okay, these are the guys we were vetting for this position, Yeah. and some of those guys may or may not be still available or uh, may or may not have been asked yet. So, um it might be as simple as saying, "Okay, let's go to the second guy or the third guy." Now, obviously, if you're getting that call, you kind of feel like, "Oh shoot, I was the runner-up." But you know, sometimes yeah. that's how you, how how it all works. You know, yeah, you know, think of uh, vice president. Oh, when the Kennedy was assassinated or Lincoln was assassinated or all these different things. You like, I never thought I was going to be here, but now I am. So, mm-hmm. you you just never know what the what the Lord is going to call you to. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it was tough news, so I got the email Monday morning. Uh, I woke up, was, uh, I think, it was before I celebrated Mass. Um, got the news, read the email. So the diocese, in these kind of situations, like when a priest goes on leave, something like this, anytime there's, like, news that needs to be communicated to us, we usually get an email. That's how it starts. And then it usually says, like, the bare minimum, like, this is what's happening and then it's kind of on us to share it with our people. Um, so, you know, after that I read it, uh, talked to some brother priests, and then uh, sent out an email to the staff and to the trustees just saying, okay, this has happened, and uh, I was gonna look look for the email so I could just read it, but um, yeah. Do you have it, by chance?
0: I think I do.
1: I have it here somewhere.
0: Yeah, I have it right here. Okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, so th- this was the, I guess, the statement from of from the Diocese of Rapid City, which yeah. is where... Um, That's where he's from. Uh, yeah, which is where he's from. But uh, basically, So it says, Today the Holy See announced that Pope Francis accepted the resignation of Bishop-elect Michael Malloy was appointed the Bishop of Duluth on June 19th, 2020. Subsequent to the appointment on August 7th, the Diocese of Rapid City received notification of an allegation against Father Malloy of sexual abuse of a minor in the early 1980s. Uh, the Diocese of Rapid City has no other allegations of sexual abuse invo- involving Father Malloy. And so, um, following the established procedure, um, Bishop Peter Mewich, Bishop of Rapid City, informed law enforcement of this development. Father Malloy was directed to uh, refrain from engaging in, engaging in ministry. The diocese then commissioned an independent investigation to de- determine whether the alleg- allegation warranted further investigation under canon law. When that inv- inv- investigation concluded, the results were shared with the Rapid City Diocesan Review Board, a lay majority in- inter, inter-
1: Interdisciplinary, this,
0: yes. Uh, body in accordance with the standard of canon law and the policies of the di- diocese of Rapid City. Uh, the review board agreed with the investigation's conclusion that the accusation met the standard of canon law for further investigation and conclusion. And the Holy See was informed by Bishop Mewich. Or, and the Holy yeah, the Holy See was informed. Um, so, Father Moy received a summary of the specific allegations against him and submitted his re- resignation as bishop elect of the Diocese of Duluth to the Holy Father, which has been accepted. So, there we are. That was the process.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, all of that was kind of going on since August 7th, at least out there. And I don't think anybody in our diocese was aware of it. Yeah. Actually, I just talked to Father Jim um, about this yesterday, and I don't think he became aware till Friday, and then it was made public on Monday. Okay. So the, it's kind of one of these things where you have to get all your ducks in a row so that when it goes out, everybody's aware, like that needs to be aware. So I think the nuncio called him and said, okay, be ready for Monday. That's when we're going to tell people, because they had... A, it, they must have concluded their investigation at that, at that around that point, and were mm-hmm. ready to kind of say, "Okay, yes, indeed, we do need to address this. We can't let um, this go on." So, as hard as that was for for us, and for um, all involved, I'm grateful. I guess I see this as a silver lining that it wasn't he wasn't in, in, installed, and then after the fact, um, something come forward because that would have been really. Difficult, um, and so I'm grateful for this person, whoever they were. I, I imagine it takes a lot of courage to come forward. Um, you know, I again, you look at it and you say, well, it could be a false accusation. Yes, it could be. Um, we don't know that yet, and I don't know if we will know for certainty. I don't know, um, but it seems like it's warranted enough. That the the review board said, yes, it's 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 clear enough that it could have happened that. We need to address it, and so, um, yeah. So it's it's one of those things we we don't know everything yet. He could be innocent, but they seem to think like there's an, at least enough evidence here to say um, that it, we don't want to have him be ordained a bishop at this time. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was hard news. Hard news on Monday, and then just kind of processing that throughout the day. Um, not news that you want to share with your parishioners or your staff or your Trustees or whatever—it's one of those things. Like, as you were saying before, like, yeah, things can't get any worse, can they? <laughs> no, 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 they can't get it. Oh, uh, they just got worse, didn't they? Yep, they got worse. And so here we are. It got worse. Um, but uh, it's—it's a—it's a reality that, yeah, there's there's brokenness in humanity. There's fallenness in humanity, and uh, just as there's, there's that in humanity, it's also in the church and in the clergy and. Um, I think that's been one of the lessons that the church has been learning these last 20 years or whatever since 2002, especially, um, and then you know the last couple of years with all the stuff going on with our own church and our own bankruptcy process and all of that. It's just, yeah, it's the brokenness of of uh, the church and in particular the clergy that's come out in that. So it's a purification, and I I remember saying when the stuff came out about Cardinal McCarrick back in the day, I was like, okay, let's just get it all out there. Let's just get it all out. I don't want to be dealing with this 10 years from now. Let's get it all out there. And so here we are a few years later, still getting it out there. Mm -hmm. And frustrating as it is, it's like, okay, we just got to keep cleaning the dish or whatever, you know, like. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a reality. So. Yeah, uh, as
0: you're going to say that, it makes me think about – part in the gospel when Jesus goes in and like clears the temple. Mm, yeah. And kind of this idea of purification of the church. Yeah. Um Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's a it's a pretty good um like way to look at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean it's it's a very difficult thing to deal with. In the sense that you look at this man, Father Michael Malloy, um, who is a priest, in many ways was a good priest. People liked him. People, I mean, the clergy out there seemed to like him when he was their administrator. So he was able to do some things well, and yet, at least in this one case, was had, had this terrible thing that happened, probably. I mean, it's alleged, whatever you want to say, credibly accused at this point. But um, and you look at that and say, how can how can these two things coexist, you know? Um, and I, I guess I always turn it back on myself, like, well, I look at my own self, I see the division in my own heart, I see my own brokenness, I see my own sins, uh, and, okay, it's, it seems easy to me when I look at myself, like, I want to be forgiven, I want to have mercy, but there are some things that we— we just can't take a chance on it at this point in the church, and this is one of them, the problems with the clergy. So um, as much as it's, uh, maybe you look at it and say, well, we don't know enough. Well, there's there's at least, you know, there's at least some reason to, to think that this might be true, and we, we can't allow this. Um, and does that mean all his sacraments were invalid, that he, all this stuff, I mean, we talked about this stuff last week, the 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 sacristy or the the ministry of the priest the sacraments the celebration of the sacraments don't depend on the holiness of the of the minister this is something that was fought about in the early church back when St Augustine was um, going through his time as bishop in northern africa there was a group called the donatists who were like hey if a priest sins or if he because at the time what was happening is they they would uh, have a persecution and sometimes sometimes the some of the clergy or some of the people would say, "We're gonna, we're gonna renounce our Christianity, our Christian faith," and so those kind of things. People would say, "Hey, you can't, you can no longer be a priest. You can no longer serve um, these kinds of things, or you can't be a Christian anymore." So there was kind of this controversy of like, "How do we, how do we look at that as a church?" And the Donatists were kind of strict. They were like, "If you have sinned or if you've done wrong as a as a cleric." Then your sacraments are invalid, and blah blah. We, you sh- have to redo those, or we can't, you know, value those. Whereas the Catholic position was, they're valid. You know, uh, we might need to address the, the particular situation if it if it warrants it, like removing this guy from ministry, or um, you know, that sort of thing. But there was a recognition, like we're we're broken. So even these priests, even these bishops, are broken, and they're gonna. They're going to sin at times um we just hope that they don't sin in such a way to hurt the body of christ grievously or whatever i mean all of our sins do in some way affect the body of christ but um yeah we can talk about how do you how do you measure that or how do you look at that but so it's a it's a thing that the church has had to deal with over the centuries and um yeah it's a it's a challenge yeah
0: yeah and uh we were kind of talking about it earlier today, and just I mean just kind of as a staff too earlier, and um kind of like what you were saying, just like, man, how worse could this get and kind of going from like um maybe we, like we've already gone through so much the last um, I mean, I guess I would like I think when I was in college, that was kind of when everything started to happen like within the diocese here, sure. Um or with at least or with a, the
1: bankruptcy and all that, yeah, with yeah. the
0: bankruptcy, and at least at least to that was the point where I became aware of it mm-hmm. and everything
1: yeah.
0: um and so to a certain extent, I feel like I've like most of my adult Catholic life has there's been this cloud over it, yeah, of like all of the kind of abuse and scandal mm-hmm. and um and so it's just it's kind of like man, like how much worse couldn't this get yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. um, and so and I think that's uh it's not. I guess terrible to think that way. Um, cause that's just like the reality of like how I felt. Yeah. Um, yeah. but then it, I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, but, but Jesus is still Lord mm-hmm. in all of this. Right. And that was a point that I kind of had to force myself to come <laughs> to, like come <laughs> to, <laughs> sure. um, and, and just be like, yeah, you know, um, Jesus is still Lord. And I remember when everything kind of came out with uh, Cardinal McCarrick a couple of years ago, um, That was something I kept on going back to, um, the point in the gospels when, uh, Jesus asked Peter and the disciples, like, well, are you going to leave too? And then Peter says, um, like Lord, to where we would go, like you have the words of everlasting life. And so that was kind of something where like, like, I'm like, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. not of this priest or this you know, whatever, I guess whatever that might be. Yeah. So that's something that I, I kinda had to like hold on to a little bit. Um because I, from I guess a lay perspective, there is kind of like that um like lo- like lack of trust a little bit yeah. there. And I, I mean it, it kind of depends too. It's not I guess a blanket statement, but um but there is like that little bit of just like like I don't know it just, it, it's, I guess, hard to describe that kind of feeling mm-hmm. of like, okay, there was trust there. And now there's not that there's no trust, but there's just a little like less some, trust, some yeah. there's a little bit less trust. And yeah, so, that's kind yeah. of how that all felt. Yeah. Um, so, I guess I'm, I say this to kind of ask you the question like, what's kind of made the process that you go
1: through when yeah. stuff like this pops up? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it is interesting. So, I went to college in uh, uh, 2001. So, right, right. As all the stuff, that first big abuse cycle scandal was going through the church. So, as a, again, as an adult, I haven't known a church that that's always been out there. Um, and even as a priest, I've never known it not to be this way. It's like that cloud of, yeah. There, we we have bad priests. We have bad bishops. We have, we have bad. We're bad. Yeah. I mean, that's this is part of like you you kind of live in that. So. You're always kind of trying to fight against that in, in the one sense of like, okay, yes, we are broken, but we are also called to, to ministry, and so just that experience has been an interesting thing to deal with, and, you know, at our clergy conferences, um, we've had to deal with that, just with the brokenness. I mean, the guys that are older, they grew up in a time when the priest was revered, and his word was kind of like okay, Father said it, so it must be true, or whatever, or, you know, like, there was a certain level of respect and expectation that you could trust the priest, and, grow, like, as an adult, I feel like that hasn't been there ever for, for me. It's not like I have to earn it, because you can't really, I mean, it's a certain sense, yes, you have to earn the people's trust, but more so, it's just like, I don't want you to trust me with that same kind of blindness i want people to to have faith in jesus trust in him like you said i mean that and and to know my own weakness and to keep that ever before me and to recognize like but by the grace of god there go i that saying you know it's like i I could i could do something wrong and i i hope i never do i hope i never hurt the flock of god but um you know we're all human we're all broken and so um there was something unhealthy in 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 those years when there was no trust. I mean, I've heard people say like, oh yeah, we all knew father so-and-so was an abuser or whatever, but we didn't say anything because whatever, like you didn't. And I look at that now and I go, what the heck were you thinking? Like, how could you, how could that be your response in the face of that or in knowing this? Um, But that was just kind of the culture. And so I feel like there's been a healthy turn in terms of like, not that we mistrust priests, or not that we mistrust bishops, but that we've gotten to the point where we're, we're willing—if if something does go wrong, we're willing to say something about it, and that's good, that's healthy. Um, but it's it's kind of that balance of like, okay, but can we trust any priests? Can we trust any bishops? And that's where that's where the struggle comes in for for us as priests. Is I think we feel like we have to earn trust, on a certain sense. But then there's also the recognition of our own brokenness. So it's kind of like that. You you feel stuck, and then there's also the reality like to do ministry, you gotta get connected to people, and it's become so hard to like how like you're almost like afraid to like touch anybody or children or whatever. Like when a little kid comes up and grabs your leg, and you're like, oh, what do I do? Virtue is like I'm in trouble. You know, it's it's kind of like this uh, this struggle of like what's the balance? Like I feel like we need to find the balance again, um, and I don't I don't know how we're gonna get there. But it is, it is a challenging thing to just kind of feel like you're always uh, under the gun to, like, on the one sense to show your good side, but on the other, on the other, in another way, just to be honest about your own need for God's mercy, need for God's grace, and, um, you know, we, we're, we're human. We, we have, some of us have a temper, some of us uh, speak too quickly, some of us make bad judgments, I mean hopefully because of all our training, because of our relationship with the Lord, we're able to persevere through those things and, and stay close to the Lord. But we are gonna make mistakes and, and I think uh people kinda some 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 people long for the time of like when everything was kinda rosy and we could trust Father and and other people I think are more like we can never we can never trust any clergy ever again. Like we just need to have systems in place where they're they're not trusted. And I feel like there has to be somewhere in the middle where we can balance all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of like what you said about, like, how all these, I mean, just like normal people, priests, you know, have different personalities and they have all these, you know, different things. And um, part of, like, part of those personalities are what, like, make you who you are, mm-hmm. right? And so because um, cause we don't want just, like, cookie-cutter priests also. Right. And mm-hmm. so there's all these different dynamics, and there's somewhat like there's balance needs mm-hmm. to uh, yeah kind yeah. of what you're saying needs to happen, and um yeah it's just difficult to try to find that.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're searching for that, and each priest kind of has to search for him, for himself to some degree, just as we all do. Um, you know, so in these last years, just dealing with these things that come up when a brother priest goes on leave, when you hear some bad news in some diocese or our own diocese about something. You know, it just kind of drives me to prayer, um, and you kind of read your people too. Like some things come up, and it doesn't bother your people that much; they, they they're not bothered by it. And then other things come up, and it bothers them a lot, or they it's it's like always in their mind. And you sense that, and you feel like you feel the heaviness of it because they do. And so you sort of share that burden together. And you, as a priest, at least, I feel like I sense that. I'm aware of that sometimes. Or sometimes I'm not, and then I become aware of it because of the things they're telling me the or the experiences that they're sharing with me. And so uh, it's just very interesting um, to try to walk that as a priest. I feel like, um, it, yeah, it, it, it's something I bring to prayer a lot, something I pray for a lot. And even when I was in the seminary, it was something I prayed a lot about. It's like, Lord, I never want to... I never want to be that guy who disappoints your people, or, or who hurts your people, or who does something wrong uh, that affects the Church. But there's no guarantee, right? I'm, I'm human. I, I could, I mean, I know myself. I know, uh, I, I remember uh, Father Mike gave a homily once, Father Mike Schmitz gave a homily once about a guy who was a concentration camp um, guard or something like this, and Eventually he was brought to trial by, by, I don't know who, and one of the witnesses that testified against him was a prisoner. And the prisoner wanted to see that this guy was awful and terrible and brutal, but what it came out to be was he was just trying to do his job. He was just um, another human being who was broken. And so I think sometimes we we want to make these guys, or any kind of criminal, out to be a monster and a terrible person, but the reality is we're all human. We're all capable of good and evil. And um, so, yeah, I think it just drives us back to the Lord when we recognize, oh, that could be me, or that, I, I feel bad for, for the situation, for everybody involved. And I just bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to help. I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I pray that you bring healing you know, to all involved. Um, you know, for for a priest who's done any kind of abuse, uh, better for him that it becomes public and that he does penance for it and that he asks for mercy and, and so forth, rather than being stuck in a place of, like, unrepentant, trying to hide it. I mean, what's the whole principle of c- uh, confession in, in the Church is to bring the wound into the light so that it can be healed. So unfortunately for us as priests, or fortunately one, we could look at it both ways, when we sin, oftentimes it's something that becomes public or sh- needs to become public or whatever in, to some degree, and um, I mean, when we're talking these kinds of sins, and and uh, it's not only them that needs healing, but the whole body of Christ needs healing, and um, yeah, it's, it's a hard thing. I mean, great... Uh, great authority, expectations, but also capable of doing great harm. And uh, I forget who said it, but maybe it's just kind of a principle more than a a saying, but when a priest goes to heaven, he brings a lot of souls with him. If he goes to hell, he brings a lot of souls with him. And um, so better for for any priest who's sinned in this kind of way, whether it's abuse or crime against the Church or against the, the flock... In a very direct way, better for him that it comes out and he has to deal with it and repent, and even if he has to go to prison or or suffer great consequences, all that's better than going to hell. I would say so. You know, as it, strange as it is to say, you know, um, it's better that these things come to the light and that they are dealt with in this life than to than to carry on to the next. Now, for the victims. You know they obviously the it's a very hard thing for them, and they might, you know, how many people have left the church because they have known somebody or, or have themselves been a victim. Uh, we we can't even know, but my heart goes out to them because uh, they're put in a very difficult place. I mean, it's e- easy for us to say, well, why can't they just forgive them and move on? Like, well, you know, depending on what their experience has been, that that can be such a long road of healing, and and uh, to to recognize. Um, that they even need healing might take years and so forth, so yeah, it's I don't know, I'm kind of babbling on here, but mm-hmm. we can we can look at it that there's so many different ways to look at these experiences and these issues and these events that have affected the church, and um everybody's kind of got their own perspective sometimes, I think so
0: yeah, yeah, and so I guess the last question for you. Is like, how do we, like, where do we go from from here? Yeah. Or, uh, like, think about just us as individuals. We're all from probably in different, like, spots with it. Some people are probably, like, you know, they just hear news and they're probably like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. And they kind of more of, like, despair. And then some people are just, like, um, just, like, makes, you know, just can make them just really angry mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. can kind of get angry with the church a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there's other people that are, you know, um yeah, I don't I don't like who can just be like, oh well, he's probably innocent or just like, you know, who kind of just probably people all over the board. So yep. it's like how do we yeah. how do we get more to that balance? Yeah. Um
1: Yeah. Well I think you know, Father Jim in his T V interview, I just saw a little clip of it, said, you know, this is a sign that the the system that we're put in place is working Uh, but we all have to acknowledge anybody that works in the church or anybody who even works in law knows that no human system works perfectly And, and the canonical procedures is a human system within the church it's not something that's divinely inspired canon law is basically us saying okay we know we have to manage the church how do we do so so no system is perfect but how do we Move forward, I think um, we turn to, the, to Christ, and as you mentioned, Jesus is Lord, you know, that we, we do have to remember that, and in some way or fashion, God is using all of this to purify us, to, to help us um, hold on to Him and to nothing else. It's like a stripping away, you know, oh, I thought this was my anchor. Nope, that's not an anchor. Oh, I thought, I thought this was going to make me happy. Nope, that's not going to make you happy. So, not only in our personal lives, but in the life of the Church, we are stripped at times of these things, um, whether we like it or not, whether it seems good or not, Um, and this is just another example of like, oh, we thought we were going to have a bishop, we thought things were going to start moving forward. Nope, that's stripped away, and like, trust only in the Lord. The Lord will provide a shepherd, He will provide leadership in the Church, but always cling to Christ first, and so it's I think it's an invitation again to um, to go to Christ to intercede uh, for our leaders to pray for them um, to pray for people who have who have experienced trial. So um, for me, it, I see it as an invitation to prayer, an invitation to to go deeper in the Lord, and um, and to remember that there is uh, a greater picture at play here that. Um, that Christ is doing something in all of this. I think we always have to remember that. Um, i trying to remember this book that I read. I have a book that Bishop Serba gave. I think he gave it to me. Um, I think it's called Divine Providence or Providence or something like this. And it's kind of just helps you, it's kind of like these meditations to help you just remember like God is the one who orders all things and we can, in humility, we can trust in God's Providence to provide for us, um, within our own talents and abilities that He gives us, He does work, and He does use them. But at the end of the day, we can only see so far, we can only predict so much, we can only make our best guess. God can see it all. It's all it's all visible and available to Him. And so, when we trust in God, when we say, "Lord, lead me," and we truly give ourselves to be led, and we're docile to that leadership. Um, we do our best work or we d- we're we're it's, as good as we can. We're going to be uh, going in the right direction because we're, we're tra- following the one who knows. Whereas if we go off on our own or we start trying to control things ourselves, we're, it's always going to be m- much more messy. So I don't know. That's a, a start to an answer, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that's great because yeah, I, there's, like we can only do, like we can only control what we can c- control, mm-hmm. right? Um, but God can, luckily, control pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so just yeah, just kind of be able to remember that uh, that like he he does have the keys. He's on the he's on the wheel,
1: right. um, and to remember too, I think, it's, I think it's hard for us to remember this in moments like this, that the challenges that we face. Here in this life, uh, if they draw us closer to God, if they move us out of ourselves, that's a great victory. Like that's a good thing. Um, that God uses all these kind of crazy things in our lives to to move us or to get us to kind of start this this journey back to Him. I mean, I feel like the idea or the concept of the journey towards eternal life is such a thing, like such a good idea or a good visual, because so often we're going along and we get tired and we, we go, either we just sit down and we stop moving, or we go a different way or whatever, and so God is always using things to kind of try to get us to keep going towards him to be purified more, to be more trusting in him, to be more active in our faith, to have him at the center. And so it's all these little things that, in our lives, seem like a, a hardship or a challenge that he uses sometimes to to get us to move in the right direction. So, I mean, that's different for each one of us. What those things are, but
0: mm-hmm. and we can uh, even go back to the beginning, and I guess of this episode, and talk about. I mean, Mary is a great example of that.
1: Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, that's it's it is a good example. I mean, her her journey she couldn't have known it, but because she was so docile to the Holy Spirit, it all became, it was all for God's glory, right? And so, if we all had that same ability to just say yes to God, yes, Lord, I will i will be with you in this, I mean, how often could she have said, nah, this this can't be the, the way that God, did. no, Lord, you're not calling me to do this, are you? Go to Egypt? Nah, like, I'm just going to stay here, like, she could have done that, right? She, she and Joseph could have said that. Um, so many times in their lives, that they could have resisted, but they uh, they didn't give up hope on the one hand. I mean, even at the foot of the cross, Jesus died on the cross, or he's dead on the cross, and here I am. She could have said, ah, something went wrong here, Lord. But no, she trusted, even in that moment. And so, uh, just a good reminder for us. Echo Mary's yes to God, that disability to God. Um, it might seem... In in certain moments that we are in the depths of despair, it might seem that we're in the depths of darkness, that we've been abandoned by God, or that we've been led astray. But in God's providence, He worked and does work, and our lives will be the same. So I take hope in that, consolation in that. Great. Well, thank you,
0: Father, for, yeah, you know, I guess shepherding us through this time. And uh, I guess uh, maybe, you know, continuing to do that in the future. Um, and thank you all for listening back home and, uh, we will catch you back here next week.